You're listening to Consciously Crude. Unapologetic truths the collective is ready for. Granting permission for the incognito spiritual badass to dive deeper into the magic of their universe. Come out of the spiritual closet. Awaken your courageous heart. Step deeper into your divine power. These are the quantum upgrades your matrix is ready for. Let's dive deep. Hello and welcome back to Consciously Crude. Amanda and I are here to bring you some more downloads from the collective. And this episode, we are talking about triggers as treasures. Mm, Is it ever appropriate? (laughs) (laughs) Right now, I think, yeah, it's uh, definitely something that is coming up in all of our fields. So let's dive in, shall we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Perhaps we can start by talking about what it means to be triggered and what the kind of different ways that triggers can be approached. Um, Maybe like the more like shadow versus like healthy light ways. Um, So for me, a trigger is something that um, activates an emotion within us. And typically a trigger is like we have maybe like a negative or like heavy or dense perspective of it because typically unless someone's like triggering happiness in you, I mean, we don't, we don't tend to talk about the word trigger as though it's a light thing. Um, we tend to talk about it like almost like you're pulling the trigger on like a gun. Like it's like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that to, to hit me the way it did. And so um, I think that as we get more aware, we become more aware ultimately of like what it is that uh, sparks these emotions and ignites these emotions. That's where we start to have more of a a relationship with our triggers rather than experiencing them and almost like operating at the mercy of our triggers. Um, Yeah, that's ultimately, I think that's when I think about triggers, that's what comes to mind for me. How about you, Jazz? Yeah, it's like you were saying, um, as you become aware of these emotional reactions within yourself you start to um, build almost like an understanding of where this trigger is coming from and and why you're being triggered in the first place or not maybe not even why you're being triggered but you're understanding that there's a pattern that's happening within your life that Um, you know there there's an outside situation or an external force that is creating some sort of reaction in you and it seems like that that reaction pops up in your life over time. Um, maybe it's like with every relationship you get into and the partner shows up a certain way um, and that's always triggering you. And it, it, it's usually, like, I find the, the juiciest triggers are the ones that have shown up time and time again over the lifetime, just the yeah. setting and the person switches, yeah. right? Totally. Oh my God. And it's like when we talk about how these triggers are your treasures, Mm -hmm. it's this recognition that the thing that is like the juiciest trigger, like the thing that's like, you know, you were talking in our last episode about imagining that our unconscious mind or that our deeper psyche is like this big castle, this big mansion Mm -hmm. with all these different rooms and that some rooms, you know, have these closed doors and it's like, we never go there. We never touch that and like not happening because there's something within there that is so deeply triggering and is would be presumably damaging to the psyche, which, you know, as we do this work, we recognize that when we actually integrate all parts of ourselves, when we bring ourselves back to a place of wholeness, we actually operate from a place of greater integrity, 
more alignment, more authenticity. We feel better. We feel happy. We feel confident, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like we have these places right. in ourselves that trigger and it can be um, maybe almost like a defense mechanism or something that seems most appropriate to go, well, that triggers me. So actually I'm not going to touch it. It's like right. touching a hot stove. You're like, I'm not going to keep touching the hot stove. Like it, it hurts. It burns. I'm not right. going to keep putting my hand on it um, until you recognize that that hot stove is not really hot anymore. And you're just, you're just avoiding the stove because you're like anything that looks like a stove, anything that could burn me, I'm just going to avoid it entirely. And of course, like I'm making this shit up, like I'm making up an example, but when it comes to, um, other things, like for instance, for me, for so much of my life, I, um, I really rejected the idea of, of, you know, drugs and like marijuana and really told myself like a story around like me being a better person or maybe like a healthier or cleaner or more pure person if I didn't engage in, in drugs or in marijuana. Um, and only to realize that like some of my deepest healing has come from mm. smoking marijuana. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that's wild. Like I just would have thrown the baby out with the bathwater instead of going, what can I learn from this? What can I do by leaning into it and embracing it? And, uh, I think there's so much freedom behind the thing that we fear the most. Right. What would you right. say about that? Yeah. I think, I think, you know, most people listening are going to listen to that like hot stove analogy and think, well, well, duh, you wouldn't want to keep going there, but that's just yeah. the thing, right? That's, that's the conscious mind speaking up and protecting us. And what is it protecting you from? It's protecting you from that juiciness of that subconscious mind, whatever is lying there. But the thing is, is we have to remember that, and, and everyone listening to this podcast, this is true for you because you're here listening. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And we can't take some of that human experience and say, no, that's bad. I don't have to experience that portion it's no good. I can, I can just neg negate that. Yeah. And what we're saying is that if you're wanting to experience that, that human experience and have that spiritual life, then you have to honor the totality of it all. And so yeah. if, if something's coming up saying to you and, 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 and triggering you and saying, Ooh, that's icky. Well, you got to go there, man. You got to dive <laughs> in what's right? there causing it to be icky. Right. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. It's like I think about um, there was a, an interesting point in my life where I was single. I was it was actually a mantra that I had. I said to myself, there is no harm in experimenting. There's no harm in experimenting. I can always choose to not go that path or I can come back like there's just no harm in getting more information. And mm -hmm. I think that so often we we have fear around making decisions we have fear around moving forward with something because we have the assumption that we have to stick to that decision forever. It's like, right. oh, I decided that when I was 14. So now here I am, 30 years old, 40 years old, still doing that thing. And it's like, you're a dynamic, changing human being. Like you don't have to hold on to the same things that you believed. You're allowed to choose different things. And when it comes to, um, like for me experimenting, there was a big surrender to being like, well, who would I be if I just allowed myself to be whoever I wanted to be? 
instead of who I thought was right, who I thought was most valuable, who I thought was the smartest, who I thought would make my parents the proudest. I'm like, what if I just like did shit that used to trigger me? And I just started doing all kinds of things that that would have triggered the fuck out of me. <laughs> and like, honestly, probably would trigger the fuck out of my parents too. And I'm just like, I can't live my life with them as my ethical filter. Like they right. are, they're, they're also human beings. They also have their biases. And for me, even with raising my stepson, raising my son, like I say to myself, it's not my job to like make him a good person. It's my job to teach him to be a sovereign being. It's my job to teach him to be his own man, to be his own person. Um, however he identifies. So it's like, I just started doing tons of stuff that would trigger me. And I started being in relationships that were very, um, in the past, I was like a serial monogamist. I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to marry someone in bed. Like it was like this like whole, (laughs) it's like this whole story. Um, And I kind of just abandoned that. I was like, what if I just let myself like actually meet people where they're at instead of dating people with the intention of like, will this person be a good father? Will they be like the right person for me? And when I think about the people I even dated before, they were never even fitting that criteria because I actually had an unconscious story around not wanting to be a mother. So there was this whole conflict within me. That's a whole other story. Maybe on another episode, I'll go into that. But um, but what I think yeah, is beautiful I, here is that like you were able to see where your trigger was and know what the medicine was for it. So for yeah. you, because you had judgments around these, these things in the past and um, you know, you wanted to control situations and how things looked and plan, plan, plan. It was very healing and it was medicine for you to take these drugs and to have yeah. that experience. Where someone who, you know, throughout their adolescence life abused these types of things, that's not going to be their medicine, right? Their medicine is totally. be controlling and to plan and to build structure. And so right. it's really important to discern, you know, what is true for your own experience. And that goes into Absolutely. what you're talking about the sovereign being is, is what's good for me is not might not be good for you but that doesn't mean we have to judge each other because we have different medicines or we sin differently or whatever it is right right and it's like is sin even real it's like a construct that like it's like we create a judgment of like in my moral ethics that is wrong and like anyone who whoa (laughs) over my mic (laughs) anyone who does not prescribe to what i prescribe to like it has sinned and it's like they are now damned for eternity and it's like okay but like what if we are not meant to be on this planet to find all of the control in the world and make all of the sense of everything and you know create all these paradigms of constriction so that rules can be set so we can all abide by them because then if we all abide by them we can predict everything and then if we can predict everything we'll be safe it's like no we will not let go and allow yourself to make your own decisions on how you operate and recognizing and accepting that other people are going to do the same um, creates a tremendous amount of freedom. It creates this sovereign society of, you know, if I want to be monogamous, that's amazing. If I want to experiment for a couple months and, you know, for a year practice polyamory, that doesn't harm anyone. And if I decide I want to be monogamous again, I can do that. Like I don't have to be so set in this trigger culture of like, oh, but if I do that, then I'll offend this person or I'll 
create guilt and like, yeah, it's just. Yeah. So I want to offer you now then another way to see these triggers as treasures from this. So you're, you're the person who's, you know, out in the world, living your authentic self. And that authentic self is grounded in a place of love and inspiration and beauty and is just wanting to show that with the world and share the gifts. Um, And through that expression, you trigger people. Right. (laughs) Here's another beautiful treasure and one that comes with a different gift of recognizing that within that expression of authentic self and love, it is not any of your responsibility to give zero fucks about that trigger, right? And I think a lot of us get caught up in this and, and, and feel nervous about sharing ourselves and our true expression with the world because we know that it's going to cause someone else to feel uncomfortable. Mm. And it's time for us to say, fuck that. It's not our responsibility to feel uncomfortable because of someone else's reaction. Absolutely. It's such a practice. (laughs) Oh, it's just such a practice. Like for me, I think that when when we really look at the core of who human beings are, Mm -hmm. I really believe that we're like light beings. Like we are pure love and light. And when you think about someone who, who comes from a place of just wanting to care and love and wanting to be loved, it's like, even though I can consciously know well, if I express myself and it triggers someone, like that's not my job to manage their emotions for them. Like that is their, that's also their, their journey and their learning of that they are powerful and that people can't make them feel a way that they don't ultimately decide to feel. Right. I had to come to that same realization. I'm like, nobody makes me angry. Nobody makes me sad. Nobody makes me happy. They only add to what is already there and what is being activated already within me. My own emotions are my own job. They're my own responsibility. Yeah. Yet, how often do we, you know, create a, I guess, like a, a badge of honor around like, oh, they were there for me and they, they took my pain and they, whatever. I, I mean, I think that there's this massive problem with martyrdom and that like we don't need to sacrifice our happiness for someone else as though that is somehow honorable like I just can't (laughs) yeah I feel that strongly and I I feel like I've actually played out that role in my own experience and um it does feel icky it it's like where is the joy and the light in starving yourself of your own medicine we'll, we'll call it yeah for the benefit of some other being why aren't you as worthy as that other being, right? Exactly, exactly. It's tough. It's a tough pill to, not pill to swallow, but like a, a, a tough mask to face, to recognize that, yeah, it's great that you're helping someone else, but like oftentimes that person doesn't even want your help when it's a macrodome's scenario. And, um, you know, where have you strayed so far from yourself that like for me in my experience it's hard to even like locate myself sometimes when I'm so out there like trying to serve everyone else and from a place that's you know mostly of fear I I can't even like locate myself anymore it takes a lot to like come back and ground and center and realign and like okay hey jazz what's up let's go now yeah 
how do you, so for the person that's listening who also resonates with that, yeah. how do you, how do you um, draw that line for yourself? Where do you go? Oh, here it is. This is the mm-hmm. line. And mm-hmm. how do you bring yourself back to that place of sovereignty, back to that mm-hmm. place of being like, okay, now I need to operate for me first. Right. Well, it's first with anything, it's awareness, but um, an awareness of the physical body. I think step one for anything is allowing. So it's like, okay, I'm hearing my experience. I see this, this me playing out as this martyr. Now I'm going to, I'm going to get out of my mind to come into my body and start to notice my physical body and relax the places that I'm not relaxed. And for me, it's usually my entire physical body. I'm like all up here. I'm like, it's the whole thing. (laughs) So step one is like allowing, allowing that physical body to like experience that experience to say, Hey, this is what you're doing. Feel into it. Yeah. And once you allow it, I think it's coming to a place of accepting, Mm -hmm. accepting with your heart of looking at yourself of, Oh, okay. I, don't see myself as worthy as others. And so I'm acting out in this way. Hmm. I'm going to accept that in myself that I'm, I'm not feeling that worthy right now. That's okay. And then that yeah. third step is like embracing. And that's when it like comes into the mind more of like telling myself and changing myself talk to something that's more self-soothing, more um, uplifting, and really also talking to that martyr side of myself of what do you need me to hear? What do you yeah. need me to into like um yeah. how, how can I how can I acknowledge you yeah yeah it's like that it's you know talking about the shadows and how mm-hmm. they're equally parts of us it's like just because we go la 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 la, la I don't want to talk to you doesn't mean that that part's going to go anywhere yeah. it is offering like by starving your shadow you're starving your light yes. so instead of um you know, creating acceptance around the shadow and holding that shadow as though it's that little child and going like, even though you are, you know, pessimistic and like Mm -hmm. a pain in my ass and you get angry at things, Mm -hmm. I still love you. I still Mm -hmm. love you. And it's okay that you want to feel like that. And what, what, what need do you have right now? And to give that need like that is the treasure. It's like recognizing that trigger and like meeting that trigger, not as something that is there to like piss you off and ruin your life, but as something that's there to illuminate and highlight to you just how compassionate and loving you can be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow, what a gift. It's acknowledging the dark so that you have a new space that's revealed for your light to shine into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, the, I think of um, kitsungi, is that how you say it? It's in Japanese. It's like where they have like the broken pottery and they repair it with gold. And it's like, do not fear the cracks. That's how the light gets in. It's like when we allow ourselves to crack open and, and be like, oh, what's in there? Mm. And there's space. We can just like pour light into it. And even though it may not be... Um, yeah, it might be a part of ourselves that we really have rejected in the past. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of, for me, there was a huge value in reframing what help meant, helping myself, helping others. Because I had this twisted, because we're talking about martyrdom, right? So it's like, 
I had this twisted understanding of what it meant to help someone. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one second. Yeah, it was just kind of like, oh, if I help you, it means that I'm taking this for you or I'm doing it for you or I'm fixing you or whatever that was. Um, and, it, and it really wasn't even about them. It was never about helping them. It was about soothing my ego and being like, look how good I am. Look at how much I can help. Look how useful I am. I think so often we see people in pain and we think, oh, they're in such pain. Like, I want to help them get out of pain. But it's like, do you really want to help them get out of pain? Or is it just that you can't sit in pain with them, that you can't witness someone else in pain? It's actually putting you through pain and that's a need that you have. And I had to create a new definition of help and recognize that for me, help is not relieving someone's pain for them. It's creating opportunity. Right. It's going, here's an opportunity. Do you want to take it? Mm. You don't? That's totally okay. Hey, here's another opportunity. Do you want to take this one? You do? Amazing. And having no attachment to whether they take that opportunity. Right. Because in me putting attachment and being like, well, if they don't take my opportunity, you know, I've given them advice, I've given them empathy, I've held space, and they're not taking this opportunity. Right. It's as though I'm c- cutting down my worth as though just because they don't take something that I've offered, suddenly I'm less valuable. Right. Suddenly my advice is less valuable. And I'm like, this is just not fucking true. It's just not fucking true. Right. And yeah. I really hope that the world can eventually see truly just the way that I see this is like, you don't have to save people. You don't have to fix them. They are fine. They're good. They're going to make it through. But if we're constantly creating the story of I have to save, or we're constantly the person that's like, come save me. Mm. We're not creating sovereignty. We're not creating, you know, uh, independence and autonomy. We're creating sacrifice and codependency and it's just, to me, that's not, that's not freedom. Right. And, and as someone that's been on this side of it, both of us on the same side of it, we're also, I know in my experience, this was true. We're taking away their own, their power. Right. We're taking, like they have their own guides, their own team, their own mission, their own purpose. Right. And we're, right. we're taking away from that saying that what we see and what our reality is, 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 better or you know whatever it is and that you should be doing well who are who are we right right and it's like anyone listening to this like I'm like feel free to accept or reject whatever feels good or doesn't feel good like that is my golden rule I say to people I'm going to offer this feel free to accept it reject it change it like I'm here to ultimately just share my truth and hopefully it inspires you in some way but it's not about me being like well, here's what I've learned and it's the right thing and everyone should adopt it. It's like, well, maybe for some, but maybe not for everyone else. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that there is this uh, major trigger that I've been for myself experiencing around this martyrdom, around the, vi- the victim mm-hmm. and specifically around the villain. Okay. And when you were talking about this idea of like, I'm going to trigger people by being in my truth and shining my light and living from my heart, like that's going to trigger people mm-hmm. and that's going to make me the villain in their eyes. Right. And we see the villain in movies. We see the villain and we think, Oh my God, like I don't like, I'm not that I could never do that. I would never be that person. Um, I think that there's no way that we can please everyone on the planet. We're not going to do it. Right. 
So it's, I'm like, how can I embrace my inner villain? Not because I want to like actually hurt people, but because like that part of me exists and for me to deny it doesn't actually help anyone. Yeah. I feel that strongly. I resonate with that a lot. And, and it's created some like fears of showing up, right. Of, of this fierce message that I have or these fierce, um, ideas that I have um, that I know are true in my experience and a lot of the people in my immediate network. But um, yeah, it's scary to just put it all out there for anybody to stumble upon. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And if you have a powerful light, you're going to illuminate shadow. You're going to illuminate it. Like you can't avoid. um, That was a huge thing stepping into the line of work that I'm in. And I know for you too, Jazz, like I remember you were like, I want to be an energy healer. And ah, like it was, <laughs> it was yeah, I was thing. so worried about like all my PT clients and stuff and like feeling guilt around like letting those relationships go and, and stepping into like my truth of these weird gifts, if you will. Um, and yeah, like how, how am I even going to explain this to people? Right. Yeah. And how did you move through that? Move through that trigger? Hmm. Um, so yeah, it was like a daily practice of, of like soothing the child within me of like waking up and being like, Ooh, okay. We're still in that scary phase of this. It's okay. You know, this is right. Um, I love you. I love you. I love you. Let's just take one step at a time. And yeah, uh, yeah just really, you know, I think that's the, that's the piece of self acceptance. It's not like, accepting that oh I'm in PT now I'm gonna have to stay here and this is just what it is it's like no it's accepting that I'm being called up for greater things and I need to honor that and I need to do that with so much love and tender care for myself absolutely yeah yeah for sure it is so it's such a process and a practice I have a question yeah what do you think prevents people from seeing triggers as treasures? That is an amazing question. I also really appreciate when people ask really good questions. <laughs> um, especially if they're like, they're like, I'm going to try and stump her. I'm like, oh, bring it on. Like, I love diving into like, what do I actually think about this? Um, it's, I'm always, I always surprise myself. But yeah, the, I think that what stops people from seeing their triggers as treasures is their intention and their frame, their lens in which they view the trigger. It's, you know, the trigger is going to show up emotionally because that's what triggers do. They trigger the emotions. And if we have in our minds this perception that positive emotions are good and negative emotions are bad and we don't want to feel the negative emotions, so we're just going to numb them out and avoid them. And think of like even the word avoid. It's a void. There is a void. You need to lean into the void. There is room and space that is being occupied. And if you're not cognizant of where, like what it is and what it's trying to do, it will, it will take you out. It'll run your life. You'll call it fate. You'll say that that person's an asshole and that situation was out to get me and all these things that are against you. And really you are the center of your universe creating it. And, you know, I think that the, 
the lens in which we choose to view that trigger is what's going to dictate whether it gets resolved and healed and whether it transmutes back to a place of love. Um, If you're listening to something or you're listening to someone and you think that person's an idiot, like how could they ever say something so ridiculous? Like, oh, what a stupid asshole. And you have all these like judgments about them. Or even you see someone and go, oh, that poor pathetic person on the street. Like, oh, they're so like they must have it so bad. It's like, these are, these are triggers. Like these are things that are triggering judgment. They're triggering conflict within you. And, you know, I, I think that when we can lean into them and go, oh, interesting. There's a part of me that judges that homeless person. Right. And tells me that like that homeless person is gross or disgusting and that that person should like figure it the fuck out and get a job. Right. Right. I'm like, wow how does this mirror me? Like, what does this have to do with me? Right. Oh, wow. There's a part of me that feels like if I don't do anything with my life and I'm not successful, then I'll be useless. And then I'll be ostracized by society and rejected completely from my entire, my entire peer group. Huh? Wow. It's not really about, (laughs) yeah. I'm like, wow, that's not even about that homeless person. That's about my own fucking shit. So like, let's dive into that void and let's take a look around and go, Ooh, like this is interesting. Let's get curious. Yeah. And that curiosity is going to switch the lens of judgment from like, this is who I am and it's gross and I don't like it to, well, what if this is just a movie that I'm watching and I was watching this movie and just saw this character, like what would this character look like? What would they sound like? Right. What would they do? What do they want to express? I think that that is where I think most people have trouble seeing triggers as treasures is that right there, not being able to be the observer of their story. Totally. Identifying and and attaching to it. And you touched on this at the very beginning saying, you know, when you're 14, you decide you want to do something and then, you know, you, you hold yourself to that decision throughout your existence and it doesn't have to be that way. And we don't have to identify with our story because you know, at the end of the day, it's not really up to us how things are going to work out. No, (laughs) it's not up to us. And and I think what we're experiencing right now with this pandemic is a very good example of how it's not up to us. And life is going to happen for us. And it and how can we flow with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting like balance of it's not up to us, because there are circumstances that we perceivably cannot control um, or that we've not predicted. And then, and then just because something has happened doesn't mean that it's not our responsibility to like address it and go, what is the meaning I would like to put behind this? Because everything in life can be meaningful or everything in life can be meaningless. You get to decide. Right. And for some people it might be really empowering to be like, none of this fucking matters anyways. Right. And for other people might be like, well, what matters to me is to find meaning mm-hmm. and um, using your medicine. Yeah. yeah. Whatever medicine you need. And that can change from person to person day to day. Like I've had that experience in this experience. I've been like, Amanda, none of this fucking matters. Okay. What matters is you feeling free in your body at any given moment. Mm-hmm. And then other times I'm like, well, it does matter because even though I'm not the one experiencing pain, other people are. So like, how can I find empathy and having a fluid experience of the self, um, 
versus being so concretely attached to our identity, like that's a huge, that is huge. That is Pandora's box. And when I did my yoga teacher training, there was one quote by Michael, uh, Michael Stone. He was talking in the book, The Inner Tradition of Yoga, and he talks about how if you imagine um, a ball of rubber bands, you know, you're in like, let's say a teacher's office and there's that ball of rubber bands on the desk. Yeah. Well, that ball of rubber bands feels really dense when you pick it up and it feels really solid. But all that it is, is just a band over another band, over another band, over another band, until you have this compacted ball of bands. And if you were to unpack it at the very center, it would actually be quite loose. And it might even be one single band at the very center. And we create our life based on what we think our ball of bands is. We go, well, this is my ball of bands and it's very heavy and it's been like this forever. So this is who I am. And it's like, fucking congratulations. <laughs> you did so good at identifying that that is in fact a ball of bands. Are you fucking happy? <laughs> it's like, what if you stripped apart those bands and found the center that none of it actually fucking mattered? Yeah. And what if you found that it was actually a completely different experience if you could let go of all of this useless weight? Yeah. Um, that was my huge aha during my, my teacher training. There was a quote, I'm going to finish off. I know that I've been on this tangent, but there was a quote <laughs> that I have on my phone. And it says, the final belief is to believe in a fiction, which you know to be a fiction. There is nothing else. The exquisite truth is to know that this is a fiction and that you believe in it willingly. Mm. I love that quote so much. Mm. So this is all just fiction we get to create it we get to create the meaning we get to be the observer and we get to decide if our story is about creating a dense ball of bands or if it's about stripping back the bands to find the center and i don't think there's a right or wrong way yeah. think about that yeah and and those triggers that show up in your experience and during your experience are opportunities for you to explore and find that treasure and to shine light and to navigate and to really feel into your own experience. Absolutely. Beautiful. Hmm. All right. I think that, I think that's it. I think that's everything we wanted to say. <laughs> Episode five. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you so much for listening to our awesome listeners. If you have any questions, comments, anything that you want us to touch on, then, uh, message us, DM us, and we would love to continue this conversation, peel back the layers. And until next time, uh, Jazz and I are going to see you later. And we can't wait to do this again. Thanks for tuning into the show this week. We are so grateful for another opportunity to dive deep with you. If you want to connect with us even further, head to our website, www.consciouslycrude.com. There you will find how to get in touch with both of us, upcoming events and workshops, and links to our social media platforms. We always welcome your input, so feel free to comment your questions, make guest suggestions, and let us know what you learned. And it is so, so, so appreciated that you please rate, comment, and share so we can grow this conscious collective platform. With gratitude, Amanda and Jazz. Jazz.